There's lots of advice telling you how to set and reach your goals. But before you dive in, it's a good idea to know God's plan for your life. Find joy in pursuing the next steps God has for you in Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, Forward, Discovering God's Presence and Purpose in Your Tomorrow. God does have a perfect plan for you, and it's time to embrace your life's purpose. It's time to move forward. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash forward. How do you think you would feel if you found yourself face to face with an angel? Fearful? Awestruck? Would you even know it was an angel? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers this question and offers insights from God's Word to help you separate angel fact from fiction. As he wraps up his series, Angels, here's David to introduce today's message, Angels and You. Thank you for joining us. This is the conclusion of the series we started back in the early days of this month. And I hope you've been encouraged and blessed and informed, perhaps even inspired some, by what we've learned concerning angels. You can get all of the teaching material for this series in the following way. First of all, the book on angels, the 240-page book from which this series was derived, is available all the way through the end of this month for a gift of any size to Turning Point. Just send the gift, ask for the book, it'll come to you. Our way of saying thank you for investing in this ministry. You can then order the study guides and the CD packages from our website, which is davidjeremiah.org. I hope you take advantage of this opportunity, perhaps to have a small group study on angels. It will be vital to have information so that you know how to facilitate the group. You'll find that information in the book. The study guides can be in the hands of all of the participants. You can listen to the teaching before you go, and you'll be ready to give good direction as you study this particular subject. I hope you'll do that. We love it when we find out that people who listen to Turning Point use these materials for their small groups. Well, tomorrow we're going to have a special lesson called How Can One Book Change My Life? And we'll spend a couple of days with that. And then uh, Friday, we're going to talk about what can I do when trouble overwhelms me? These two messages at the end of the month, getting us ready for the August series, which is on overcoming loneliness. You know, it's a wonderful privilege to do what I do, to introduce these programs and to know that you're listening, you're watching. If you're listening or watching, we know you're there because you communicate with us. And I know it sounds strange, but I can feel your presence. Even when I'm not near you here in this studio, I have a sense of your presence because I know that God is using his word to connect us. And I pray that the word of God today will be an encouragement to your heart. Let's begin our study. I need to tell you that I was first motivated to explore this subject when I began to see the flood of books and materials on the secular market. Let's face it, people are talking about angels like never before. People who never even thought of an angel are talking about them in everyday commonplace language. We know now that God's word says a lot about angels and we know something about what it says. As we look back over our shoulders at the truth we've learned and the things we've studied together, I want to reiterate some of the major truths. I heard this somewhere. 
where someone would come out and would make some amazing statements. And the whole crowd would go, hmm, can you do that? Hmm. Well, I'm going to make some statements like that. And when I get done, I want you to help me preach this sermon. When I make the statement, I want you to go, hmm. All right, can we do that? Here's the first one. Angels render worship, but they never receive worship. Hmm. All right. Now watch. Revelation 5, 11, and 12 tells the story of an incredible worship experience in heaven. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Probably the primary occupation of the angels of God is to worship God. They are instruments of majestic worship of the Lord of glory. But I want to tell you something. In the day in which we live, there's been a little subtle shift, and now people have forgotten that angels render worship, but that they never receive worship. Do you know that there are people today who pray to their angels, who program their angels, who go to find out how to turn the angel within you alive? who actually have prayers that they write out to angels and pray every day. And yet the word of God is so very clear about the fact that angels render worship, but they never receive worship. Listen to Colossians 2.18. It says, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and in the worship of angels. And, you know, I always have been intrigued by the two times in the book of Revelation when John, the human writer of that book, was in the presence of an angel and was so overwhelmed by it that he did what you and I would probably do. He fell on his face in the presence of this awesome glory. We read in Revelation 19.10, his own account of it. He said, And I fell at his feet, at the feet of the angel, to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus Worship God. Say it out loud. Worship God. He's the only one who is worthy of worship, not his angels, not anything that he has created. The angels are the creation of God, and they are not to be worshipped. It happened again as recorded in Revelation 22, 8 and 9. Look at what it says. And I saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren the prophets and of them which keep the sayings of this book. And here it is again. Say it out loud. Worship God. Do you see how easy it is for us to make that little change if we don't know the word of God? I think we would all be tempted if we saw an angel today, a real heavenly messenger. We would be tempted to do that. But the angels themselves tell us that worship belongs to God alone. Angels render worship but they never receive worship. That's the first one. Number two. Have you got your mm-hmm ready? Here we go. Angels rejoice in salvation, but they cannot receive salvation. Hmm. That's from Luke chapter 15 and verse 10. By the way, that's the wonderful chapter that talks about lost things being found. And it says, likewise, I say to you, 
There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Angels rejoice when someone becomes a Christian, but they cannot experience salvation. The best they can do is to look into it, but they can't experience it. 1 Peter 1.12 talks about the gospel and it talks about salvation. And the last phrase in the verse says, which things the angels desire to look into. They can't really understand salvation because an angel's never been lost. An angel can't be saved. An angel doesn't know what redemption is. Jesus Christ didn't come into this world to die for the angels. Angels are forever frozen in their estate as they were created after the fall of the angels. There are about a third of them, as you know, who defected. But if they fall, they can't be redeemed. There is no plan of redemption for the angels. Did you ever think about that? So angels can rejoice in our salvation, but they can never receive salvation. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Number three, angels minister to believers in death, but angels never die themselves. Hmm. Many were surprised recently when I talked about angels and death to find out that it's really true that angels take us to glory when we die. In fact, there's a sweet couple in this church who are going through some really tough times right now. Unless there is a miracle in the life of this man, he's going to see the Lord pretty soon. And they heard the message I preached on angels and death, and I got a wonderful note from them the next week. And in the note, she said, we've been a little scared about this, obviously, because it's a frightening time. But what a thrill it is to know that God loves us so much that he sends his angels here to take us through to glory. You know, some of us have heard that along the way, and we thought that was just something some sentimental person made up in the midst of their grief, but that's based upon the Word of God. Do you remember the story of Abraham and Lazarus that we talked about? Luke chapter 16, 22 says, And so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. Isn't that interesting? In fact, I found another passage that seems to corroborate this, not so much about death, but do you remember the story of the ascension of our Lord? In Luke chapter 24, verses 50 and 51, it says, And Jesus led his disciples out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. Now it came to pass, while he blessed them, that he was parted from them, and it says, and carried up into heaven. Who do you think did that? I know who did it. You do too, don't you? The angels are those who minister to us at death. And yet, the interesting thing about it is angels never die. (laughs) Angels live forever. Did you ever stop and think about the fact that, according to Henry Morris, who is my friend and a scholar who I trust, angels were created probably on the first day of creation, one of the first creative acts. Listen now. Every single angel who was created on the first day of creation is still living and alive today. None of them have died. Even the ones who defected are still living. And it says this in the Word of God. It says in the Word of God that angels do not die. Luke 20, verse 36. Nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are the sons of God. Angels don't die. And yet these non-dying angels minister to us in our death. What a wonderful truth. Number four, angels rescue some of us and reassure the rest of us. Hmm. 
This thought's been real helpful to me because, you know, one of the questions you get asked when you talk about angels is, well, Pastor Jeremiah, so-and-so had this problem over here. I mean, you know, our friend jumped 14 feet sideways by the help of an angel and wasn't hit, but you probably know somebody that got hit by a bus. And you're saying, why wasn't that Christian rescued? Well, I don't know the answer. That's a profound question with an answer far beyond my intellect. But let me just give you some thoughts that are very helpful. Does God rescue people today? Did he in the past? He rescued Peter from prison. Do you remember that in Acts chapter 12? The angel of the Lord came upon Peter and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands and Peter walked out of prison a free man. He was rescued by an angel. My favorite Bible rescue story has to do with Lot. Do you remember that? It's found in the book of Genesis and in the 19th chapter, and it says, And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Rise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold on his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. It came to pass when they brought him forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And what happened? Lot made it and his wife didn't. She turned around and she lost her life. But God rescued Lot. Did he do that? Yes, he did. I recently read a more modern rescue story that goes back to the World War that helps me understand that God still does that today in his own special way. A woman by the name of Matsuko Hasegawa came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ through the ministry of a young missionary by the name of Mabel Francis. Matsuko's father was the mayor of Hiroshima. Her desire was to be a missionary, just like Mabel Francis, who had won her to the Lord. But her desire was destroyed because in the tradition of her country, her parents arranged a marriage for her to a man who was not a Christian. In time, Matsuko received assurance in her heart that the Lord would work even in this event for her good and for his glory. Three daughters were born to Matsuko and her unsaved husband. And then World War II began and her husband went off to the war to fight for the emperor and lost his life in the war. In her story, Matsuko said that when she heard of her husband's death, she was tempted to commit suicide. But suddenly she heard the Lord speaking to her in her heart saying, you wanted to be a missionary, didn't you? Well, maybe you should raise these girls to be missionaries for me. She returned to Hiroshima began to work for her sister-in-law, who was a doctor in the city. And her life seemed to get back on track, but soon she began to sense another command, and she didn't understand it. I'm not a mystic, and I don't think we hear voices, but sometimes in our spirit, in our heart, God speaks to us, sometimes through his word and sometimes by his spirit. And she said she began to hear this regularly, and she didn't understand it, but the message she kept getting was, escape to the mountain, escape to the mountain. You see, Hiroshima had not been a military target at any time during the war, And yet Matsuko knew that Japan was preparing for a final stand as the Allied forces drew nearer. And the insistent words kept coming in her heart and in her spirit, escape to the mountain, escape to the mountain. And finally she obeyed. She gathered up her three children and a few belongings that she could pull together. She hired a truck and she left and she drove out of Hiroshima up into the mountains. And at 8.16 the next morning, a blinding flash and a mushroom cloud engulfed Hiroshima. Like Lot and his family in the Old Testament, Matsuko watched the destruction from the far-off mountains. And she wrote, I believe God sent his angels and led me and his three potential missionaries to safety. God rescued her. 
Does God do that? If you believe he does that, say amen. 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 I believe he does. And that's a wonderful story. But what about the people who don't get rescued? Again, I don't know all the answers to that. But I was just reminded that Hebrews 1.14 tells us that one of the purposes of angels is that they are sent forth as ministering spirits for those who inherit salvation. And listen carefully now. It was our Lord Jesus who teaches us this truth. In his temptation in the wilderness, when he was taken by Satan out into the wilderness and he was tempted. And he was in the temptation and there was an angel involved. But let me ask you a question, class. Did the angel come and rescue Jesus from the temptation? No. The scripture says in Mark 1.13 that he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan and was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. In fact, Matthew 4.11 says that after the devil left him, then the angels came and ministered to him. Was he rescued? No. But he was reassured and strengthened by the angels in the midst of the testing. The same thing happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. If ever there was a time in the life of our Lord from the human perspective that we would think he would want to have been rescued from a situation, that would have been it. But the scripture says he went through that awful agony for us. And there appeared an angel unto him, according to Luke 22, strengthening him. Isn't it interesting? Angels rescue some people and they reassure others. We need to do this, class. We need to make a commitment that we're going to treat angels like miracles. We're going to believe in them, but we're not going to schedule them. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know anybody that schedules miracles? College students do that all the time. They do it all. I mean, it's just part of their life, you know? It's the night before exam, and they schedule a miracle for the next day. And their prayer goes like this. Oh, God, help me to remember the things I haven't studied. I mean, God isn't going to do that. He isn't going to do that. Some people treat angels like they treat miracles, you know? You take advantage of your knowledge, and you try to do things that you feel like an angel's going to intervene. God rescues some, and he reassures others. Number five. God's angels often appear in white, but they are not the angels of light. Hmm. You remember when Mary looked into the tomb on resurrection morning? It says in John 20 that when she stooped down and looked into the tomb, she saw two angels in white sitting. In several other places, we are told that angels appeared in white garments. It's the traditional fashion for angels. They appear as brilliantly white. And most of the people, modern people who have seen Appearances of angels will say, I saw this incredibly white creature. But watch carefully. The angels in white are not the angels of light. And you can make the mistake very quickly. Notice what it says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into what? An angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Angels of light are who, class? Satan and his angels. Isn't that interesting? We often paint him in darkness. We paint him in a shroud. But Satan is an angel of light. And that's why he deceives so many people. That's why all this angel mania stuff is going on today. This is the new age angel of light, counterfeiting the reality of who God and his angels really is. So don't get confused that the angels in white are the angels of light because they're two different people. And I reminded you at the outset of this study that the angels of light started two major false religions. 
the angel of Mohammed, and Moroni, the angel of Joseph Smith, started two false religions. (laughs) Angels of light. (laughs) Number six. The Lord commands thousands of angels, but he did not summon one of them to aid him in his earthly life. Hmm. It says in Revelation chapter 5:11 that the number of angels that God has at his disposal are 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And you remember at the beginning of the series I told you how many football stadiums that would fill up? <laughs> Hundreds of football stadiums full of angels and God has all of them. All he has to do is speak a word and they will do anything he says. But he walked on this earth in the person of his son the Lord Jesus Christ for 30 plus years and never once did he ask an angel to come and rescue him or assist him. The angels were sent by his father to minister to him, but he never called in fact. You remember what he said in the garden in Matthew 26:53, "Do you think I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels?" And I pointed out that 12 legions of angels is 72,000 angels. We need to sing. He could have called 72,000 angels because that's how many angels Jesus mentioned. Do you know what? The Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus was meek. Do you know what meek is? The best definition of meekness I ever heard is power under control. The Lord Jesus had all the power of the universe at his disposal. And he never once in his humanity took advantage of it. That he might be someone who identifies with you and with me. Number seven. One angel might destroy 185,000 enemies of God in one night and be disguised as a stranger in your home the next day. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Putting those two things together is a trip, isn't it? You remember this? It came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out, killed in the camp of the Assyrians, 185,000. And I love this. When the people rose early in the morning, there were the corpses, all dead. Which is what most corpses are when you find them, you know, (laughs) dead. That's one verse over here. And yet, over here on the other side, we read in Hebrews 13, 2, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Do you see the tremendous gap between the majesty of the angel and the way that he deigns to describe himself to us in human terms? This whole subject is so beyond me, so beyond my comprehension, I feel embarrassed to even have addressed it. The whole subject of God's angels. Number eight, one angel will announce the rapture, but all the angels will accompany Christ in the second advent. Hmm. First Thessalonians 4.16 says that when the Lord comes back, it will be with the voice of an archangel. That's the rapture. Matthew 16.27 says that the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and all the angels will be there. What a wonderful study we have had learning about God's secret agents. Let me just finish as we close our Bibles by reminding you that angels are mysterious. So they're beyond our understanding. Angels are majestic like no creatures on this earth. Angels are mighty. They truly are God's special agents. Angels are ministers reaching out to God's people. And angels are messengers bringing good news from heaven. Praise God for his holy angels. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. 
You know, I love teaching these series, and I've told you before that sometimes when the series is over, I feel a little bit sad because I, I think we've had kind of a interesting discussion throughout this month about angelic beings and how we're connected to them in some ways. Uh, but there's more to come, more truth. The Bible never runs out of encouragement. As long as we stay in the Bible, we will always have subjects to discuss, and uh, we're going to talk tomorrow about how one book can change your life from Psalm 19. We will extend the offer of the angel book throughout the final days of July. That means you have three more days of this month beside today to make your order for this book, and then the offer will go away. But you can get a copy of the book on angels for a gift of any size during the month of July. Many of you have already ordered it. This has been well-received, and um, we have plenty of inventory. So be sure and get your copy while we're talking about it during the month of July. When August comes, we'll have a new resource. Uh, When that happens, the old resource is no longer available as it was uh, when it was presented the first time. So this is your opportunity to get this book. I hope you'll do it. Send your gift and ask for the book when you do it. It'll be sent to you right away. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current teaching series, Angels, please visit our website, where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's book, Angels, Who They Are and How They Help, What the Bible Reveals. It will help you separate fact from fiction about angels, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to instantly access our content. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow for a special message from the series, God, I Need Some Answers, here on Turning Point. Thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong partners. A special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible strong. When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca slash Bible strong, you will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's topical living library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly influencing your world newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount for personal or small group studies with our convenient one-click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. Join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give $25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible Strong. 
For more information or to join, visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. 